Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest installment of the NSL's podcast. Hope you're all well who's listening. Alongside me this evening is my co-host John and two show regulars, Francis and William. How are you all? Good, good thanks, mate. Yeah, good, thanks. Good, good. We've got plenty to talk about. So we'll get stuck straight into the last pre-season game, well, of the Wales camp and then the finished off nine against Bristol City. I know we've got press and stuff coming up, but we'll focus on the Bristol City game for now. Finished nil each, uh, regardless of had two previous victories against Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday. But coming to yourself, William, first, I mean, the first 45 minutes for me, I thought would dominate the game. We did squeeze in there, but in terms of their half, they couldn't get out of it. We squeezed them so high up the pitch. But the only problem for me was it was the lack of end product. And we're going to talk about that during the show anyway, in terms of strength and depth and stuff. But coming to yourself first, what was the overwhelming feeling or take from that game? Uh, just It was just a typical pre-season fitness exercise. Um I don't know about yourselves, but it's strange watching it in like a training venue. It just seems like you're watching a, a little training uh, match going on. Uh, yeah, not much to talk about uh, with regards to the game. Uh, dominated possession, I thought. There was some nice one-touch passing and interplay, but uh, yeah, exactly like you said, no no end product. Which, I, I know like pre-season, you're not reading much, so I'm not too fussed, but it, it screams out like what we did last <laughs> the whole of last season. We kept possession well, but there was no end product. I thought when uh, Johnson and Dembele were off, we, the, the, we we struggled going forward in the areas. We didn't really have much width. Um, so I think dipping into the transfer market soon uh, is needed in these areas. Uh, I felt for a Yeti, he was playing with his back to goal most of the game. And obviously that's not his biggest strength. He likes to play in the shoulder and getting behind. So it was a tough slog for him. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I think Ange himself said afterwards he he wants his teams to dictate the play and and, and make the opposition work around us and and we're going to put them on the back foot, which I suppose we did in a way we dictated the play. But if there's no end product, then um, when it comes to competitive games, there's no three points on the board, so you can have the ball as much as you want, but you need to put it in the back of the net. Um, and going on another two preseason games, it was we're all getting a bit excited, which is, is fair enough. The, the football's back and stuff like that. Um, but I think we need we need some new faces and to freshen it up. Yeah, it's pretty evident. I think, isn't it? To be fair, I mean, you're right when they say when you say like the dictator play, which they did. I mean, it was Bristol City's first preseason game in their new performance centre, which I have to say, I mean, it looks like an excellent an excellent facility. It was brilliant. Um, but coming to yourself, John, in terms of the game. As William rightly said, a Yeti, I kind of felt for him. He was working hard off the ball. You can see he was making runs, but he ended up just the majority of the game just playing with back to goal because no one was even finding when he was making them runs. And especially when Dembele and Johnson went off, we kind of lost the width and creativity that we were showing in the first two games. Do you think that, well, the Bristol City game more so is a bit of a a kind of throw to what the lineup's going to be against FC Mitten and go, well, going forward? I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, it's still hard to sort of tell what Ange's thinking and what he maybe perceives as his lineup. But definitely on the face of it, at least on paper, um, looked like quite a strong lineup, similar to the kind of team we'd have out uh, sort of last season. Uh, but I, like William said, it's it just like a training exercise, getting fitness up, match sharpness back. I think, uh, again, like we'd have in previous games, we've seen large portions of the game where we dominated possession, we pressed them high. Um but like you mentioned there, there was ultimately no sort of final ball. Um 
But again, I'm not looking too much into it. These these games are the competitive games. They're not like we're not good out there with a purpose to absolutely smash teams or whatever. But it's it's again, it's just a it's an exercise to get everybody rotating players, making sure fitness is up, making sure they're getting their sharpness back. So when it comes to the crunch, um, they're they're more ready. So I, I mean, it kind of did fizzle out a wee bit when uh, Dembele and Johnson and that went off. But again, I wasn't really taking too much stock in the actual performances, so to speak, uh, or the, the fact that we didn't score. Um, what I'm taking for it is, is we've went three games now pre-season and we've, we've no lost. So that's a plus side for me. Um, but I'm ultimately, as I said, I'm no too hung up on the fact it was a draw or anything. I think these things will come. Um, it's nothing's, Nothing happens overnight and it's, it's going to take time for it to fully click, um, but I think it's going to be pretty impressive to see, and it'll be, we'll be certainly celebrating a lot more uh, over the course of this coming season once it does. But it's just another fitness exercise, as William said. It's no, not no too much. I'm not looking too much into it. I get what you mean. I totally do. I mean, Postecoglou's goes on the feet of Army marches on, so doesn't it? As you said, with a free pre-season, I haven't lost the game. We picked up a clean sheet. To be fair, in the Bristol City game, Francis and. By all accounts, that I mean, they, they probably did have the best chances. They hit the post twice. We didn't really threaten their keeper. Was there anything in the game in particular stood out to yourselves? Uh, well, just to kind of echo what the, uh, William and uh, John have said, like, we did did have a lot of, lot of good possession and stuff, but lacked a wee bit invention in the final third. And I thought McGregor was back. Like, McGregor was really yes. impressive last night. Really he was really, really good. Really good. And, uh, as much as I like to say Taylor's not the answer, I thought he was. I, I don't think you could really argue with his performance. He was forever shown on the left hand side. He got into great areas and was getting getting a lot of the ball and stuff. Um, Oregide was another one. Looked steady. Looked steadier in the set in central defence, but then struggled when he was forced out right due to sort of injuries and having to change the team in that. But yeah, it was just like. Like William Jones, it was just your typical pre-season friendly. I'd, I think William makes a good point with the venue. Like I, I don't think that maybe helps you to play that sort of high-intensity football stuff. It might cause it gives that sort of it's in a training ground type thing if you like. So it gives that maybe feel about. And then we pre-season friendlies, boys haven't got to give it one hundred percent off the bat. Like you'll get some of your younger laddies, but your your guys like McGregor, Ayeti, Taylor, they'll, they'll just kind of ticking over if you like, just doing enough. To get to get through the game, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not not reading too much. I, obviously, I did say on Tuesday. It's in relation to the other two games. It's it's good to to help with as opposed to call goes new philosophy. If you're winning games, it maybe can get the players believing in it quicker and getting on. But you're going to you've got to get performances and maybe results like yesterday along the road. I don't think it's it's a total total new system, total new way they want to play and stuff. So. There's got to be wee stumbling blocks if you want to call yesterday a stumbling block, but nah, I'd, it's, it's a pre-season friendly at the end of the day. Take it with a pinch of salt, Francis, isn't that correct. right? Correct, correct. But look, what I'm going to do, I want to shake things up a bit in here, okay? So we'll bring up a name that caused a bit of a stir last night in the group chat. It's <laughs> actually, and that's Greg Taylor, to be fair. Now, a lot of the Celtic, Celtic sport are divided, and that's true to say. I'm much in the belief what John was saying, maybe that he's not... <laughs> Awful, or do you know what I mean? But he, for me, anyway, he's not the Celtic. He's, he's not Celtic's answer at left back. 
And I said there on, on the Tuesday podcast, I believe going forward, if he stays on, Bolly should be given the chance. But come to yourself, John, you were quite vocal in the chat about this last night. What was so disappointing about Greg Taylor in regards to what you were seeing in the game? I just don't think he suits Andrew's style of play. Um, obviously, we're looking to play a high-pressing attacking game. Um, you, it's only passing and moving. I don't think Taylor's a very good passer of the ball. Uh, personally, I don't think he's good at going forward. Um, by all accounts, he, he's a decent defender at SPL level, but he's certainly not the answer for me, um, especially if you want to play that high-intensity, high high-press um, we're going to need an actual proper uh, modern wing back, and he's not that for me. Um, I saw a few things last night where they're saying he, he worked hard. I mean, I'll give credit to the boy. He, he was running up and down the park. He was doing his best. I just don't think he's got it in him to to ultimately make it great um, going forward. But he, he also made quite a lot of mistakes. There was time he was tripping up over himself. Uh, some of his actual passes were like there was one point in the game where there was no near him. He was under absolutely no pressure. He was at the back himself on the left. And it was just a, it was a simple pass, a few like maybe 10 yards, and he still couldn't... Like, his pass wasn't... It was still off target. Like, how... You can't make mistakes like that. And it wouldn't be the first time I've seen him do it either. I just don't think, for me, like... I know some of you will disagree, but I just don't think he's good enough for the type of style uh, that Ange is obviously looking to play and ultimately we need to be aiming higher and, and try to sign somebody with a bit more pace and who's got a final ball um, and doesn't mind running at their man so aye, that's my two cents on it <laughs> I mean I, I very much agree with yourself I know last night often me and you we always butt heads but I do agree in terms of uh, Greg Taylor I, I think that he's not, I know people say Celtic standard, but again, what is that? Nobody actually knows, but I don't think he's the answer to our left-back problems. And people say to me, you've said Ball and Gully, but he does deserve a chance to get at least in a run of games to show what he can do. His season kind of a disaster kind of ended last season in terms of what he'd done at Celtic. But again, give give a player a chance, don't mean. But come to yourself, win him on the Greg Taylor argument. Do you think going forward, as John kind of rightly said there, that he thinks he's not the answer? I'm saying that as well. What, what What's your personal opinion? Um, well, I, I I disagree. Not with so much that he's not the answer. Uh, that he's not the answer. Obviously, I feel like he probably could go out there and get um, a more talented footballer. But with regards to that, um, he doesn't suit the philosophy. I, I think he's got a good engine on him. He does get up and down. He, he could he could work a high press no problem. I think he has got a good delivery, and I think Ross put up in our group chat last night. He was fourth in assists or something for Celtic last season. Um, he gets up and down there. He's a very, very solid defender. Um, now I'm, 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 I'm singing his praises here. That's not me saying that he is a wonderful football player. Or I think he's the bee's knees. I think he's very decent, and I, I do feel like he's been the best left back we've had since KT. It's not saying much because it's been Bolly and Laxalt who I think are. Two dreadful, dreadful, dreadful <laughs> left backs. I think if you can actually think back, if I think back to their time at Celtic, I can pick out mistakes from Laxalt and Bolly that have actually properly led to goals on numerous occasions. I can't see that with Greg Taylor. Um, so I think it's, I think it gets unfair stick at times. Saying that, uh, I thought in the friendly last night he was absolutely rank rotten. He had a poor, poor game, but I mean, you can, you're not going to show up every game. Um, uh, uh, yeah, like I mean, we've, we've touched on it before. I think he gets some unfair stick at times. I think he's a very decent player, 
But that's not me saying that he is our number one left back and should be the be-all and end-all. If we went out and got somebody, then I wouldn't be disappointed at him getting dropped. But I do think he's a very decent player and I think it's unfair the stick he gets at times. I think as well, what you could say about him, like we all can't, he's a solid player. Like I'm not doubting that. I mean, as you said, defensively, he is a, he is a good, solid defender for SPFL level. But I mean, I wouldn't call him a progressive left-back where he can beat a man and whip a ball in. You say literally he was on the assist list. That's true. But most of them assists were for cutting back in field and getting the ball into the back's fan, mm-hmm. like a, a low-ground pass or a float across. Yeah, but like I said, I, I, I know I said it in a group chat last night as well, I don't understand where this a fullback needs to beat a player comes from and they're not all Jinky Johnsons like I've never seen Andy Robertson doing a step over and beating somebody it's all about positioning and passing a one-two and getting the ball getting good deliveries in the box he doesn't need to beat a man he can beat a man by passing the ball or playing one-twos it's the same with I'd hate to say it but the, the, the team across the road they've got Barisic and Tavernier and I, I can't remember times of them skinning players it's, it's all about delivery and and uh, positioning and timing, and I think Greg Taylor can do that. Well, what about yourself, Francis? Where do you stand on this? Because I think William, you actually did make a great point there, to be fair. Um, I, w- I would like us to go and get someone else, but that's more... It's, I'm similar to William and Joseph. I don't believe he has the answer going forward. Would I be too disappointed if we focused on other positions? No, I would, I would be happy with Greg Taylor to go with Greg Taylor this season, but I would like us to try and get better. I think he is a a, a good defender. Um, going forward, I, I don't rate him. I don't think he's brilliant. But I was, to be fair, I was surprised when Ross put that up about the assists and stuff. And I'm, I know you've touched on he was cutting back inside and that. Can I care less? The assist is assistant. I know. I don't care. I don't care if he's crossed it in or he's back heel. I, I, I was I was surprised about that. That's that. To be fair, with Greg Taylor. But uh, I couldn't care how you assist somebody at the end of the day. It doesn't need to be a cross. But I, personally, I don't think he's got a great delivery on him. But what I would say for Greg Taylor is he's 23, is he? I think you just said this. So, and while he has got a good injury. He does get up and down the park. He, he always kind of looks knackered, but he's no knackered. A bit like what Kieran Taylor is. Kieran Taylor runs and 10 minutes later looks knackered, but he's no really. He just seems to always look knackered. But um, uh, it's. Like, cause his age, he maybe could be coached, and then you never know. He could could be the answer, could be developed into the type of left back we need. But if if it's me, I would want us to go and get another one. But at the same time, if budget, the budget is probably better spent elsewhere than now. Because I think you'll get by with Taylor for at least a season anyway, and maybe next season you can go and get maybe another target. That's when you've got other positions. Uh, sort of tied up that are, pro- are probably more important because in fairness to Greg Taylor I think he'll sort of be like a 67 out of 10 every week and, and that's to an extent it's good enough for a guy that I didn't want to be that didn't want as a first choice left back no, I, I, I get what you guys are saying I mean I've almost John's got myself here what's going on <laughs> Mr. Contradiction, Ranny, oh, I love it. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, I've always convinced myself that he's a brilliant player there. I'm no, only I, in my five year contract now. Oh, I've highest played in the club, too. 
I get what I get what you guys are saying. I mean, as you said, six, seven out of ten, I did describe him as that. I think he's solid, and I'll stick to the word solid, but I'll move forward with the word that he's not good enough to be Celtic's first choice going forward. We look, look to be something better. I think everyone's in agreement to that. Uh, or, or would we be saying yes to that? Yeah. Well, yeah, but see with that as well. Like, I I would look at other players on the team, for example, right? Like um, Sorrow. I'm a big fan of Sorrow, but I think he's again just another steady player that gets you six, seven out of ten. Nothing, nothing wonderful about what he does. He's solid and just does his job. But he's like when you be... buy Canty off Wish. Aye. Oh but, my god. But like, I would, but I wouldn't be going. To, but I'm not screaming to get Sorrow at the team. I just think sometimes it's a bit unfair. Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. I mean. I mean, we will come on the players that have stood out and stuff, and we can talk about that going forward. But I do get what you're saying on, on Taylor in terms of it sounds unfair the criticism to get, but I'm not going to waver like you're not going to waver from your opinion. So we'll move forward to kind of recapping the preseason so far, which seems sadly go down to Wales for their training camp. Postacoglu had time to implement a style over the last three games. We started off with a free one win against Sheffield Wednesday, two one against Charlton, and then nil all against Bristol City. Coming to yourself, William first. Has, can you see the style coming through? And, I mean, Jurgen Klopp always describes his way of playing Liverpool as rock and roll football. I can certainly see this being rock with lots of rolling under Postacoglu. <laughs> about yourself. Yeah, you can definitely see his style coming through. Um, it's difficult when he's first coming in. and he, he, the, I mean, the squad is really, really thin at the moment. Uh, we're, we're using a lot of the young boys and stuff like that. And, and some of them have shown, but I don't think that they're, they're, they're first-team material. Uh, you can definitely see the style he's implementing. There's lots of lots of lovely one-touch football, fast pace, interchanging, uh, people moving positions. A far cry from seven number tens standing on the edge of the eighteen-yard box that like we were doing last year. There's, there's definitely trying to get more width, um, moving it from left to right, and trying to find wee pockets and stuff. So there's 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 definitely improvement, and I felt like we've looked pretty solid at the back as well. There's been one or two occasions, but we have looked solid. Um, Franny mentioned Origidi there. I thought he looked decent at centre-half. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Again, I, I, he's, never, he's never a right-back. That's nah, too harsh to have seen him at right-back. He's never a right-back. So, like... And it was the same against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, no, Charlton. Char- 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 I... He was at right-back and he didn't look like a right-back. But he, he looked fairly solid at centre-half. So... Um, and we've seen a few. I, I really, really like the look of uh, Shaw in the middle of the park. I think he's got a massive presence. He's he's great in the tackle. I think there's at least one of the goals that came from him using yeah. this high press and getting stuck in and then and then and passing it over. I think he can. I think he can really, really step into that Scott Brown role, um, and let McGregor do his thing. I thought McGregor was fantastic last night. The guy just. He's just went and played the Euros and he's, he's played that 90 minutes again and he's just looks like he's, he's not even got a hair out of place. Um, I'm, I'm, it looks like he's going to get the captaincy and I think that's going to be massive for him. Uh, and he's I think he's going to be pivotal this year. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good run out. And I think, um, like we say, we're starting to see their style. And at the end of the games, it doesn't look like Big Andrew's still not, not too happy that... Um, well, there's, I mean, there's been a half here and there, or 20 minutes here and there where we've looked a bit lacklustre, but I mean, that's pre-season. Uh, he's obviously got high standards, but I, it seems, for me, overall, it's fairly positive going forward, so uh, yeah, he's got a couple of goals as well, so yeah. I mean, I have to admit, I was a bit gutted last night in the podcast, got injured before the game. I was so looking forward to seeing him again play, and he Same. played in the, he played the, ch- the charting game, and he was almost up in the centre centre circle, just 
standing there like it was normal to him. And in regards to what you said about McGregor, I think that's a brilliant point. What I've noticed, John, especially, is the fullbacks of Celtic are tucking in and they're also they're like forming extra centre midfield players and it allows yeah. McGregor and um, who was playing alongside him, Tumble. Sorrow or, Turn- Tumble. or Turnbull, yeah. Turnbull to kind of go forward and get in wide positions to kind of overlap the fullbacks and overlap the wingers. It's, it's crazy how to do it, but are you seeing the style being implemented and are you happy with it so far? Yeah, I've been impressed by it. Uh, like I said, it's a, it's a different way of playing football and it's going to take time to implement fully and to get up to speed. So, I mean, as I said earlier, I'm not looking too much into it in that respect, but you can see what we're trying to do uh, and you can see spells where we're doing it really well. Like William said, we, there's a lot of good one-touch passing football. We're moving up the park, we're pressing high, we're putting them under pressure. Uh, so I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, I, I think a few of the guys, obviously McGregor, uh, doesn't look like he's skipped a beat. He's, he was back on um, picking up these performances for the Euros. Um, Shaw really impresses me. I said this earlier as well. He, he, can, he, he looks like he's going to provide us that uh, sort of engine in the middle of the park um, that we're losing in Brown. Um, a couple of the young guys impressed me as well, but ultimately, again, I don't I agree. I don't see them um, being permanent fixtures in the team going forward, but certainly, it shows promise that the, the the younger boys are certainly talented, and I'm hoping this Colts thing um, does them the world really good and gives them the opportunity to get regular football under them again, because I think some of them could, uh, especially in a couple of years, be ready to step in and do a job, uh, assuming we don't lose them. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was fairly decent pre-season as a game. We didn't lose any games. Uh, you're seeing the style that Ange wants to implement. It's not going to happen overnight. We need to be wary of that. Um, no, sort of look too much or look too deep into that. Uh, the fact that some periods we it, it didn't work and it wasn't anything because these are these are the these are the sort of kinks that you need to work out when you're implementing a new style and stuff like that. And as I say, it will take time to get familiar and. Again, you, you need to settle it ultimately as well. You need to start settling on a starting eleven, so that players get used to playing with each other and um, sort of used to the way that they play, and then you'll be able to read them better and know what what sort of moves to make next. And I think, as I say, is, in due course, it's going to pay off uh, in a big way for us. I'm confident of that. Um, so a couple of new faces in, uh, and I think we'll be ready to go. But aye, it's been a good pre-season. Yeah, it's, it has been a solid one. And I, I paid that £10 to watch it on the Bristol City TV. I think that's called like Robins TV, Francis. And you talked about McGregor at the top of the show. And their co-commentator, I think, was their Pathways manager into their first team. And all he did for the majority of the game was say Turnbull and McGregor were top, top, top footballers. Do you think this style that Anz Postacoglu is trying to implement in the Celtic? We've seen it in fits and starts, 45 minutes here and there. Do you think it's starting to come to fruition and like the likes of McGregor can flourish, especially playing further forward? I think Francis might have his mic muted, boys. But coming, yeah, are you there, Francis? I actually have. <laughs> actually, I totally had it muted, and I heard you saying it. I went, I'd been off for a week on there. Actually, sounded better muted. Cheers. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, McGregor and Tumble. Aye. Uh, so I, I think well, McGregor played higher up the park under Rogers and Flores there as well, and. He has got that pass in him. He's he's quite creative and stuff. So I think him and Tumble can flourish under this the way Ange Postecoglou wants to play. Because we all know what 
tumble can they just he looks kind of the real deal and um, McGregor just looks like he's came back and carried on his Euros form. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing seeing how they two play under the way Postacoglu wants us to play. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And moving on, the players that they've kind of stood out over the last three games, and for me, Adam Montgomery, I think looks brilliant. I mean, Leo Hilda, the young central defender, again, he looks promising. As John said, many of these players might find themselves in the Colts team going forward. But Francis, come to yourself. I mean. Dembele for his 45-minute cameo and his goal against Chartland. He looked he looked quality. Unfortunately, he went off injured, but we'll come on to that soon. What players for you has stood out over the preseason, especially the last three games that we've seen? Well, obviously, McGregor, Ayeti obviously stood out. Moffat, I thought it's been okay when he's came on. Pretty decent. Uh, Shaw has looked good as well. Welsh, I think, has kind of carried on his forum for the last season. And yeah, Dembele looked, looked good. I just hope the injury isn't isn't that bad because we all, we all, we all want him to kick on and that. So it's just the, the sort of expected ones like your McGregor and Tumble and stuff have, have impressed. But it was good to see, obviously, guys like Ayeti, Wells to keep his forum going on. It was good seeing Barkas come in. Doesn't really have much to do, to be fair. And then, yeah, it was nice seeing some of the youngsters and by accounts, they, took, they, they played okay, but... Like William said, are we really go that it's some of these youngsters were maybe getting the chance simply because how how thin the squad is now. No, I totally agree. What what about yourself, William? What players for you have impressed? Yeah, I like I touched on Shaw's been the one that's really stood out for me. Um I think a midfield three, I think our first midfield three eventually when we start getting a good um run of competitive games will be will be Shaw in there rather than Sorrow with, with McGregor. I think if with McGregor and Turnbull. I think if he's in there, um He's so good in the tackle, for what I've seen. I think if he's in there mopping up, it gives the, the other two the freedom to, to go and express themselves. Um, a few more that stood out. Yeah, Dembele stood out with his little cameo. and I don't know how bad his injury is. I'm hoping it's not too bad. Um, I, Welsh is another one. That's, I thought he was very good last night. He's, obviously, he goes about his business and you don't really notice, but I thought he was fairly solid. and, and I think it's promising for this qualifier we've got coming up we've actually looked fairly solid at the back and goals will come as long as we're not leaking them um so i've been impressed with the, with the back line uh yeah a few of the youngsters uh, montgomery's been very good very solid he's never a left winger in a million years right enough um because he played them up there but he's i i think he he's a proper prospect he could be a, a very very good left back for us uh going forward so there's there's a lot of positives not many there's not many that I have disappointed me so if you're looking at the other side everybody's done fairly well um i think for me Shaw and mcgregor have been the two big standouts but everybody else has been fairly solid and there's not been anybody that i've thought oh jesus christ this guy's rotten so so it's all fairly positive i mean for me the one thing that disappointed me and it's no it's no slap on the guy because his best possession center half but see when urigini played right back i was like oh yeah. my god yeah, how is there any? How is there anyone worse than Ralston at right back? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, by the way, I'm not. I, I'm. I, I think Ralston should never shouldn't be in a Celtic jersey. But this preseason, he's not done much wrong. To be fair, I'm with that. Yeah, that's fair. What about yourself, John? What players have kind of took a shine for you anyway? Yeah, Dembele. I think like most Celtic fans will have been impressed by him. Uh, Shaw definitely. Uh, Origidi looks solid at centre-back, uh, Montgomery, um, seeing McGregor back again, 
Turnbull, as, as we've said. Um, and uh, yeah, he looks fit and he looks sharp and I'm hoping that he can carry that into the season as well and, and find some form uh, and score plenty of goals because we're going to need it. But I, I, I'm impressed with just about everybody, as I said. I don't think anybody really had a bad pre-season. As I said, some of these young guys look like they could play a part for us uh, in the next couple of years, especially in this Colts thing. Hopefully, them getting regular football uh, through that setup, um, we can see a wee bit more of what they're capable of, and if need be, be able to slide them into because uh, they'll be a wee bit more match fit and, and sharp. So if if we do have any issues where we're struggling for certain positions, especially th- through the league anyway. Um, it's like we've got guys there that we could maybe uh, bring through to, to step in because I, I, some of them I, I could trust to, to play a part during the seasons. But yeah, I, I think quite a few of them uh, impressed me anyway. Yeah, no, 100% I agree with you in terms of that. And moving on to some, a couple of negative points, and that's the injuries to Dembele and Johnson. I know Barkas was injured, but it was a dislocated finger, so hopefully he will be okay for the Champions League game. But Johnson looks to have went off with a hamstring injury and by all counts the belly got a rough tackle to the ankle and it looked quite sore from what I seen on the TV anyway. But coming to yourself, William, first here, is it a concern with a lack of depth in the wide areas, especially we've seen this last season when we had to rely on certain players in the injured all the time and Postacoglu alluded to the fact on Celtic TV that he's quite thin on numbers, especially coming into this crucial Champions League tie. What is it for you that, I mean, Johnston, he has an atrocious injury record do you think he's ever going to get a break in the Celtic shirt um, I'm not so sure if if, if it's, it's ever a season that he's going to have to do it and, and, and bring it it's, it's going to be this season um, I mean you, I think you guys touched on it in the last podcast he's guys made a chocolate he's you can never like, ever get a run of games it seems it's only one or two games here or there and, and he's and these aren't like you said it's not like out one week with a hamstring or whatever, it's it's months or, or weeks and weeks. Uh, it's it's disappointing because I do think there's a player there. Um, I think he tries to play the Celtic way. There's a bit of flair about him, and he, he, he's one of these wingers that's always looking to attack, always looking to run it, run it full backs and put them on the back foot. So uh, I would really like to see him get a run inside. And I mean, it's it's not the lad's fault. It's no Celtic's fault. It's just it's just unfortunate. But um, when you're talking about is it a concern going into next week? It's a massive concern for me that we've not we've had these guys pick up knocks. I thought Dembele was very clever when he got his knock because he, he he played it he, he cut inside in a way that um, the, the only thing that the opposing player could do was foul him. It was uh, a horrible tackle. It was it was a bad bad challenge. Um, and the, one of the biggest uh, concerns for me is we've only got a Yeti up top just now. He came off and, and we put. Um, Moffat up up there, and he's never he's never a striker in a million years. So if we go into this qualifier and a Yeti pulls up in the warm up, who have we got to play up front? That's really really worrying. Um, so yeah, like I say, we've been looking solid, but going forward, if, if these guys um, if these guys are picking up injuries, then we're we're really really going to struggle to score goals. Yeah, I, I'm 100 percent agreement with yourself there. And for me, Johnson, I mean, we did speak about it last time. He's 22 now and he's picking up injuries every time he plays or yeah. something. And it's more or less when, when players aren't even near him. William, to be honest, he, he's pulling up with hamstring or, or muscle injuries. That's that's the new go-to favourite. But coming to yourself, John, Dembele looked for me anyway. He was building up ahead of steam and he was like, making impact. And, and as William said there, like that, that turn in he did in field, the only option that player had was to take him down. But it's pretty season. So that was a horrible tackle to do then. But 
Is it a concern for you getting into this game with the lack of, I know we signed your man, but we'll get on to that, but is it a concern getting in without the likes of Timbelli and Johnson, especially for us self-isolating back home? Well, I mean, we don't know the extent of their injuries yet. Um, I'm hoping, although given his track record, Johnson worries me more than the rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we don't know the extent of it. He might have just felt a wee pull on his, his hamstring and then decided that rather than risk playing through it or making it worse, that he, he, would, he would just call it and get taken off. Um, so it might be fine. Um, but it does worry me because, like William said, I, I, I see a player there as well. He's, he's clearly a talented talented player he's 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 got the ability but it's the fact he can't maintain uh, any sort of running in the team that, that worries me and he, he definitely seems injury prone uh Dembele was it was a shocking challenge I was roaring at my telly um because there was no need for it as you said it's pre-season um it, but again we don't know the extent of that he might be all right it might be fine he, he, he was on two feet and he hobbled off the park but as I say, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that they're no serious, um, so that we've got. Because I'd like to have Dembele going into the uh, Magellan game. Um, Barkas, like the, f- what did he do? He did to dislocate his finger. But that would imply he's done one or two things. He's made a save finally, but nobody's seen it. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> or, or, which is more likely in my eyes, he's missed his save. He's landed on his hand. And he's hurt himself. <laughs> I mean, like I say, it's only a dislocated finger, so I'm sure it's no serious. He's he's going to be fine as well. Um, bye. I, I, I mean, it's it's worrying, but I'm 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 sort of trying to remain positive in that there are no serious injuries. And as I say, we don't know the extent of them yet. Nothing's been really released in in terms of that. So um, they'll obviously be getting checked and making sure everything's all right. And I'm sure. Um, this weekend we'll see whether or no it was serious or whether they'll get rested obviously we, we Tuesday in mind but I'd prefer to have Dembele and Johnson available certainly. You managed to make both scenarios of Barkas' injury sound like and imply like he's still shite That's, I don't know how you managed to do that honestly but <laughs> <laughs> Until I actually yourself. see him do something that's going to be the, the, the theory I have I'm sorry, but what? I mean, like I've I've not seen anything convincing, and even I'm in trying to do anything because then that's when we're not conceding goals. That I, listen, see if he, see if he, we do put him between the sticks. I hope that that's what happens because I don't trust him enough, and so we're going to need to make sure that we're not giving him any work. But again, the first game of pre-season, uh, he was bad. Um, it wasn't great, um, and I've not seen put it this way. I've just not seen anything film at all that that tells me. Or shows me, or gives me anything to sort of reason to put trust in him at this stage. So that's fair. wonderful, wonderful head of hair he's got, though. Eh? Aye, it's a. I wish I had his head of hair. Same. Yeah, me too. Right, I can, guys, ca- I can catch there. a ball. Focus up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't drop my lasagna when I take it out of the oven, so he can keep his hair. Right, we're on to the belly of Johnson, right, Francis? We're back We're back on the show here. You guys always do this to me. Right? So, coming to yourself, same question to John here. Is it a concern for you? I know, obviously, the guys have different takes on it in terms of what the injuries could be like, but by all accounts, the belly, he let out an awful squeal, and he was pictured on the sidelines after that with his head in his hand. So, from that, it doesn't look good, but as John says, it hasn't been confirmed yet what has actually went, what has actually went on or happened, but... Get into the Midtjylland game without either of them is quite a concerning prospect, isn't it? That is concerning, but I mean, I, 
we're going with Michael Johnson's track record, like we say, there's a good chance he'll be out for a wee while. But even regardless, a hamstring injury is not something you've got to kind of recover with, usually recover with in a, a sort of a week or two. Usually is a few weeks it'll be out minimum with a hamstring. And then, so I'm just, I'm, I'm similar to John, I'm hoping it was just, with being pre-season, any slight knocks, no chances were taken, it's just, we'll just take these boys off and then we can get it rest, get them rested up straight away. So, fingers crossed, that's all it is, is just we, it, it's just one of these ones, it's, right, it's taking a knock, deal is, that, that was the deal, Any anybody gets any knock, anybody feels anything, you're coming straight off. And uh, obviously we've got confirmation with, like, it's a dislocated finger with Fibarkas. So, I mean, that could give him another reason to get out of the way things against Michelin. But I, I want him to be a goalkeeper, but I find it hard to justify playing Barkas when I'll argue, I'll argue with John about guys like Laxal and that, and I'm trying to make a case for, and I'm trying to make a case for Barkas. So I'm, I'm surprised he's never brought that up. Yeah. You've just given the ammunition to bring it up now. I have, but I, I'm just trying to be fair to the guy. I'm just wondering why he's never brought it up before. The difference but, between uh, the two, Francis, is that <laughs> at least early on in his first few games for Celtic, Lax out did look a player, and you can't yes. deny that. I can. That first or uh, third game, he was absolute dug shite. Uh, I disagree. His first, his first game. But he, he definitely showed glimpses. Barkas, hasn't he? I don't know. We're, so, we're, not, we're not talking about that anyway. Dembele, anyway, the injuries. Hopefully, they're just uh, just precaution of maintaining them off. No, that's that's fair. I mean, I think it's a concerning factor, as William said. You're going in there if, if it happens. You go in with no width. You go in with if a Yeti picks up a, a niggle injury, then who are you going to play up there? Moffat and well, well, Edward's still there. I mean, uh, but he's I injured, isn't he? Know. Is he? I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know if that was just the official line or That's what worries me uh, more yeah, than I'm anything. No, I'm not is... convinced he is injured. I think they'll be just why he makes sure he doesn't get injured because uh, the importance of this game coming up. I think uh, it's more the fact that it's so they can sell him. Yeah, true. That might That's even right. be that as well. But I mean, I would much rather. I mean, you you, you risk playing him and then he does get injured. I mean, I we, we we shouldn't be thinking of that. Like, oh well, what if he gets injured? Or we can't sell him. That shouldn't be what we should be thinking about. To be fair. If we need him, he should be used. He's your player at the end of the day. We shouldn't be thinking about trying to save him for something else. Well, look, well, what we'll do now is, I mean, we'll move on to transfers. And before the Bristol City game last night, Celtic announced that they signed, and I forgive me again, Leal, Leal Abad, Abada from... We'll go with that. Isra- is, yeah, Israeli side, Maccabi Patak Takiva. Yeah, I'm woeful. That sounds like a <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like a night. What did you say? Listen. Let me finish what I'm saying. Right, boys? Right. We can feel the signing. Around about £3.5, £4 million. Pounds. He's a right winger. Can play in the middle as well. Off the striker or as a striker. He's played upwards of 70 games for his club. 20 goals, 10 assists. And he's been capped for the Israeli national team. And come to yourself, Francis, is that the type of signing? He's 19 as well. Is that the type of signing that gets you excited? Or do you think it's another project player that Celtic are looking to make a profit on in the future? Well, I've, like John, I sign him in Football Manager. I mean, I'm only joking. I've never heard of the guy. Never <laughs> heard of the guy. But, I mean, we, we're, have we really got to be signing many players that we've actually heard? They're probably not. And, yeah, you could argue he's a bit of a prospect because he's aged, but at 19, he's played nearly, what was it, 90 games, did you say there? Aye, upwards That's of 70. Upwards of 70 games. And I, I think last season he had 14 goals and 7 assists, so his previous season he's had a pretty good season. And... It fits the Celtic model signing signing young 
to pretend like the likelihood is it will at least make a return on our money. We might not make great great uh, money back, but you'll probably recoup minimum. You'll recoup what you get. So it fits the business model, if you like. But it's exciting. It's a, it's a position we need because it's competition for Forest and essentially backup for so. It's at least an area that we were looking to sign. The fact that it can play up, play up front and play just off the off the front as well, it's, uh, uh covers some some other areas. But yeah, predominantly obviously as a he's a right winger, so it's it's nice to get a, a signing in the door and one for a position we've really been crying out for for a while. I think it's quite telling as well. William, he, he signed a five-year contract. Usually it's a four-year contract, but this is a big, big contract in terms of what Celtic can't out and. I mean, a lot of supporters are kind of kind of painting the link between Agent Duhan, who kind of brokered the Beton Ambrose Daisy, kind of comes to Celtic Rescue all the time. But do you think this is a signing where Celtic have asked for favours again, or do you think it's someone we've scouted? Um, that's a good question. That's why he's a host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good question. Could we both? Uh, I mean, I've done the usual and and did the the, the football scouting on the YouTube clips. Love and it. Uh, he's got a, he's he's got a decent shot on him. To be fair, a lot of his goals look tidy. But saying that, I watched Marion Sved on YouTube when he signed, and I thought this guy's <laughs> the best player I've ever seen in my life. You seen the, if you've not seen any of them, by the way, go and look at YouTube and Marion Sved's goals because <laughs> they're unbelievable. Um, I mean, I, I I'm I'm fairly excited. There's plenty of players we've never heard of before that have signed. Uh, Luba Moravchik being one, Henrik Larsson being another. one. I heard of these guys, but they came in. And now I'm not saying he's going to be anywhere near that standard, but um, I think for me this is a market we should be going into. I know we're looking at a couple of Croatians and uh, the Swedish boy. I think we should be looking at the European market. We've touched on it a lot in this the tail end of last season about our own league and the likes of Nisbet and stuff like that. And Nisbet's name keeps popping up. And uh, see, for four million, I, for me, I don't think you, you talk about uh, a lot of guys talk about Greg Taylor coming. Coming from Kamarnik, and he is that's his standard Kamarnik player. I feel like Nisbet's similar. I don't think he's going to um, boost boost their team. I don't think he'd walk into that starting eleven, and that's a lot Could of money they, to pay for that. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree. So, so I think this market is where we should be looking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 if, if we're paying that much money for a 19 year old, and we know how. I was going to say we know how Celtic like to keep the pennies in the pocket with splashed the cash last year, but if you're spending that much on a 19 year old, he's not. It can't be horrendous. Um, you, so you, you I, could I, counter that William and say they spent 3.5 million on Marion Sverd, and he turned out to be a dud on the Celtic that's, shirt. That's very true, mate. But like we, we, we constantly say, <laughs> every signing, Sved there's no really signing guarantee. <laughs> he didn't, but there might be a reason for that. Uh, so, I was in loan. Um, well, obviously, well, he's actually been through three, three managers now, and not one of them's fancied him. So, um, I can't really comment until I see the boy in action. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see him. I'm, it's it's always exciting when you're freshening up the team and getting getting new players. And I've banged on for months about how I thought this team uh, has got stagnant, and we've we've kind of rested on our laurels because we were winning everything. And uh, I always bang on about Alex Ferguson, and we need to see when this is coming and change it up. So all new signings are always uh, always nice to see and exciting to see coming in and, and it's definitely a position we're looking for uh, I would I would have loved if, if we got a right back in before the, the, um, this Champions League deadline but I don't know if that's going to be the case or not but 
Uh, yeah, exciting to see what he can do. He seems to be, be quite a flair player and can, can, can pop up with a goal here and there. And like I say, yeah. a lot of the goals I've seen were uh, strikes from outside the box and stuff like that, which last year we were screaming out for five-yard passes across that 18-yard line. You're screaming somebody hit it, unless you're Ryan Christie. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I think he plays out in the right, mostly, for his club and, and the country anyway. And John, do you think this is kind of leaning towards maybe you see Abada on the right, Forrest move over to the left and Turnbull being the number 10? And it, to counter as well, is it not concerning that Dembele is coming through still and they're signing these right wingers knowing that's Dembele's position? Or do you think it's like kind of bringing in players of equal quality and letting those battled out for positions? I, I originally thought that. I mean, I don't think, ultimately, I don't think with Dembele being there and Forrest um, that it was a position that needed immediate attention. Um, but listen, I don't know what Angie's plans are for any of these guys. And if he, like you say, if he plays Forrest out in the left, which he's, he's been played out there before, uh, we don't need, have anybody out in the left, so he could solve that problem at least uh, and for a short period of time. I hope it's no a long time because I think Forrest is definitely better on the right. Um, but I, it's, I, I don't know. But I mean, like William, I'd, I, I watched videos of him on YouTube. I didn't know who anything about him, but I watched videos of him on YouTube. He certainly looks a player. I think we all turn into scouts now um, when we hear a guy's name uh, and we go in and we, we try and find out as much as we can about them. But he looks apart, like he says, his stats for his age certainly look impressive. The fact he's even been capped uh, at his age is impressive. Um, and his price tag, given his age, uh, would suggest that there's a player there. Um, I don't know what you touched on earlier about the boy, the agent who assists us. Um, if, if you've got that contact, then utilise it. Like mm-hmm. if there's if it's a player we're looking at and he's in that market and you've got a route through to that player, utilise it. Like I I said this previously and I, I'm still in firm belief as it is. I'm sure you are. I still think Ange is dictating who we're signing and who we're not. I don't think any players coming out of this club are getting brought in behind his back or without his say so. Um, and I'm I'm in firm belief that Ange the fact that he's in the door, Ange is getting lit it, Ange is okay with it, Ange wants him in. So I don't think it, uh, utilising the contacts, etc., that we've got uh, and the network that we've got makes perfect sense. Um, if you're able to, you, like, if he's able to assist us in getting somebody in the door, then fine. But I still I believe that it's definitely still uh, Angie's man rather than just Celtic going back to yeah. the old ways or whatever. Um, I would also say as well, given his age, I know a lot of people see young players coming in or, or signing young players and immediately think that or he's no first team ready then, uh, he's a project and all the rest of it. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think a lot of clubs now, a lot of the top clubs in Europe, that some the best players they've got in their team are young. Um, around about that 19, 20 mark. And it, it doesn't, the fact that he's that age and, like I say, he's, his record seems to to pr- prove that he's certainly a talent. And what we've seen him, he certainly appears to be that way. So I, I firmly believe he is first team ready. Uh, I'm sure... The other boys that we've been linked to, if any of them come in, they're young as well. That they'll more than likely be first team ready. I don't think we're in the habit of now of just bringing in young guys as backup for positions we've not got first team players for. So, I think. Um, so see, see, um, what's what's David Turnbull? Twenty one. Uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect example of that. He's came in and we're we're looking at. Oh, this is the next prospect for, and he's came in and we're now building our team around this guy. Oh, so yeah, it's right. a it's a perfect example of your point that you're saying that these ah, it's the young guys and does it look like another prospect? But 
we don't want to be saying like, I've talked about Aaron Moy and stuff, and I thought he's I think he's a Aye. fantastic gifted footballer, but he's thirty year old, thirty years old now, and I'd much be I'd much rather be bringing these guys in if we can get if we sign five players that are nineteen twenty and four of them are duds and one of them's a David Turnbull, I think that's a success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I definitely agree with that. And another one is Dembele. Um, we've been screaming for him to get a chance for years, and look at his age. Uh, and he's despite his age, he's been playing in considerably higher age groups than uh, he should have been. Um, so I don't uh, age is just a number at this point. Um, so I, I see a lot of it online when we sign guys. It's like, oh, there's a young boy we've never heard of. They immediately assume, oh, he's a project. He's just going to rot away in the youth setup or whatever else, and he's never going to get a chance. I don't necessarily think that's the case uh, with this guy. I don't think it's the case with. Uh, any of the ones we've been linked with, really. Same with that Vuskovic that we were linked with. I don't think it would have been the case with him either. But he, what age was he? Nineteen or something uh, like that as well. Yeah, Nineteen, twenty. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm definitely excited by uh, the signing. Uh, some of the names were linked to as well. Uh, I'm excited by, and I'm hoping we get them in the door soon as well. I think that's well, another point with the see with the wingers point. Sorry, Stephen. See with the point with the wingers where we're talking about we're signing him, but we've got Forrest and Dembele and stuff like that there. I don't think it's necessarily when you get packed by these guys, it's like he's a right winger, especially with uh, Ange's style. It's, I mean, these guys are going to be interchanging and switching and stuff like that anyway. And as uh, Ryan pointed out in the last podcast, Forrest is the wrong side of 30 now, and he's he's never going to... He's he, like We need rotation, and it's a big, long, hard season. So I think the Dembele's and... Abadas and stuff like that will definitely get their chance and like we've seen it last year yep. with Welsh and stuff like that if they come in and play two or three games on the trot and they're, they're on fire then and, and with the sounds of Big Ange it's, age isn't an, an issue if they're on fire and they're playing they're going to be mm. they're going to be playing so To add to that as well William like you mentioned there's a good point about Forrest because he's no exactly I mean the, the older he's getting like you say he's ranked side of 30 now but he's no ever been the, like the strongest te- he's still susceptible to injury and we've seen it for things as well so absolutely having players in um, and, and accounting for that because if we decide that oh we've got Forrest and Dembele on the right we don't need anybody else then it's like you're accounting then for you've got cover and depth again I'd, I'd much rather we, we we signed a left winger because I think it's an area we definitely Aye. need another striker we definitely need a goalkeeper we need uh, central defenders we need Um. I'm sure they'll come in time, but I mean, I'm still happy with the signing, and I like the fact that we're making progress and we're bringing guys in the door. Well, speaking about new faces coming in, I mean, and in regards to what you said, John, about age is just number. Postal Cogley has said that himself before that if they're good enough, they'll play no matter what age they are. And another th- another thing about interesting, I find interesting about Abada, he was linked to a move to Dynamo Kiev, the biggest team where he's from, and that kind of mm-hmm. fell through due to money issues. So there must be something there. And his height, he's only like five foot six, which I find quite interesting, especially in the Scottish League, how that dynamic's going to work. But moving forward, that'll be interesting to see. But new faces now, Carl Starfeld, the top journalist for Fabrizio Morano, however way he says his name, he said that Celtic have agreed a five million pound deal. Negotiations are kind of agreed as well. And he's due as medical. That was two days ago now. So Alan was asked about it last night and he said he's not a doctor, so he can't speak about medical. So... He could be coming in the net maybe tomorrow for the deadline for the Champions League tie. And then Brandon Sabi from Rennes, Francis. He seems to be another guy so that you're extremely interested in. Along with the other right back at Rennes, his name escapes me. So if any of you know it, please tell me. I, think Boy, I can't remember his first name, but I'm sure it's Boy or B-O-E-Y. 
BOEI, so Boye then, so he's available for around the 1 million euro mark, and his, his counterpart's available for 4 million euros, Brandon Sapi. And then I seen today on Twitter, Francis, that we're interested in Carmel Gundabelli's cousin, I'm pretty sure it is. The, the yeah, Peterborough. Sir, yeah, certainly <laughs> Gundabelli, the place for, for Peterborough. But do any of them other guys kind of get to excited if they're coming in the door, especially positions we do need them in anyway? Is that all his brother? Is his brother? They're related anyway. They're related. Me, my mum, yeah. my dad, and my grand and <laughs> They're related anyway. Um, uh, the Starfield one, I think, is could on paper should be should be a good signing. He's a good age, twenty six, so he's he's coming in at a good time, and obviously adds that bit of experience. I know we're talking about getting youth in. I've no issue with youth players coming in, but. You obviously need to kind of get the balance with more experienced players, but you'll have guys like McGregor and, well, Barcasson and Starfield, guys that are a wee bit older. But yeah, Scandinavian boys, they tend, to, they tend to suit the Scottish League and don't really yeah. need time time to come in. I'm not, I can't really think of many, many sort of players from that region that kind of fail in Scotland. They might not be outstanding, but they generally do a, do a good enough job. And then, to be fair, the Russian League, not that I've could say I've seen one league game, but by all accounts, it's probably not. It's probably quite a physical league as well. So, I think I think that's an interesting signing. It should on paper everything should be a really good signing. If it, it fits the model and how Postecoglou wants to play with his his range of passing is is pretty good, and he can do the short passing, can do the long passing. His uh, his stats on that are pretty positive, and he's he wins a lot of headers at both ends of the park. So, yeah, that's. That looks a positive sign. Soppy, I'm I'm fairly excited with that. Not that I've seen much of him, but he's obviously got Champions League experience. He's played in it, played I think it was 16 games or something in the French league. He's he's young as well. He's your kind of modern day fullback. It's up and down the park, and he can tackle and he's, he can put in a good cross. He's the other boy from them as well. Just seems kind of seems similar to Soppy. I think one of the reasons he's only gotten less money is simply as in the last year's contract. I think that sounds a cheaper option. I think I would be surprised if the both of them came in at right back. More so the fact that Ren, I don't, I don't know Ren's situation, but it would seem weird if they sold two right backs. So I think it, I think with Soppy and Boy, it'd be one or the other, and I would simply be saying Soppy, and it would all be down to the fact that it costs more. So I'd get more excited because it costs more. But uh, Dem Dembele, I think is again it's another one. He's he looks apart and stuff. But I, I really I don't know much about him. I read a wee thing as well. Seen a wee thing on Twitter that I think we were apparently interested in a boy Lucin or Luvin, uh, a Ukrainian boy left winger. But uh, it was a boy I think John mentioned it in the group chat earlier. But I'd also read that. We've offered one million over the asking price, but it's on the agreement with a secure European football or something. So I feel that that just seems like some mad made up rumour to appease somebody. So whether there's any truth in that, I don't know. So yeah, some like your Starfield and your shopping boy excite me a bit more because it's positions that we really need players in. Yeah, I'm much agreement. What, what about yourself? I mean, you look at Starfield centre back. Sabi and Bowie, two right backs, and then add in Dembele. He's a winger, right or left, and then Abada is a winger as well. And we're starting to get the team into shape with these signings if we get them in and over the line. 
It seems that way. Um, you know, you know me and rumours, Stephen. I can't stand them. I, until they're in the, until they're at Celtic Park with a scarf above their head, I don't believe a word. But uh, the Starfield one seems to have really picked up. Uh, I mean, you've got caps for your country, and you're you're in your early what's he twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. I mean, you can't be you can't be that bad a player if you're getting caps for your country. So uh, he would be one in the centre half position is definitely one uh, we need to strengthen. And saying that, we're gonna. I don't know when Big Julian's due back, but he's going to be like a new signing. He's and he was obviously had a wonderful first season. So um, that's something that needs to be in the back of the back of the head, back of the mind. He's due to come back, and I think uh, Franny was touching there on the right backs. I think that's. I think really, really do think that's something we need to push on and get a right back in. Um, like I said earlier, I don't think as much as he's he's had a decent preseason. I think I, I don't rate Ralston at all. I, I mean, um, I think he's had more chances than John Kennedy, and he's still at the club. So um, he's went through more managers anyway. I think, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this qualifier. It's, it's it's difficult because Andrew's only been in the door a matter of weeks, and we're, we're we're screaming that we're not ready for this. I mean, it's not his fault. Obviously, it was drawn out over the summer with him that shouldn't be named. Um, if we had Anjan weeks or months before, we, we could be all set and ready to go. So it just seems like it's a mad rush um, for this qualifier. But with the team that we've got now and and, and how we've looked in pre-season, as long as we're keeping bodies fit, I, would, I, I, I still fancy us to, to hopefully get through. And then if we do, then we can get the ball rolling and get the squad bulked up because we are, we are looking very, very thin at the moment. Yeah, I think I think someone's dog agrees agrees with you well, William. There, we're giving you the heads up. But um, <laughs> as well, looking at it, John William makes great points. So you you look at the likes of Starfelt again, centre back, Soppy and Bowie, both right backs, and then the Belly's a winger. They are filling the gaps in in terms of if we get them over the line. Now there was a player you mentioned in in the group chat. I can't remember his name, but I have seen his name before. I think you've said it before. Who was that guy? I can't remember. That is that that loving uh, guy that Franny. I uh, Yes, yes. Do, do you know much about him though? No, I know we've been linked with him before. I know that much. Uh, yeah. But like Franny says, it just seems a wee bit. Again, and I, and you know what I'm like with rumours as well. Like I'll I'll say stuff that I hear or I pick up or I read <laughs> uh, with you guys in the group chat because it's something to discuss in it. It's like we're going to get linked with all sorts. Doesn't Here we go. I mean, I believe it. <laughs> uh, I don't believe that that one is one with any any anything behind it. I think it's all the shape. But there we go. Um, in terms of the Starfelt, if he's half the player as the last week, the centre-back we had, then I'll be happy. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm excited by Sophie. Sophie. wasn't that good. Oh, he called you out there. <laughs> I meant like the proper like starting regular. That's okay, John. We'll let you away with it. You know who I'm referring you for, to you, as well. You forgot about him. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Do you blame me? <laughs> uh, but aye, you know who I'm referring to. And... Yeah. Um, like the right backs as well. I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm excited by Sophie for probably more silly reasons than most. But there we go. Uh, I mean, the fact that he costs as much as he did, and he, he is highly rated uh, in all accounts. So uh, the other boy, boy. I, I mean, we could essentially still get both. Right, the, that right side of the field, right back position, is still one we're really thin on. Mm-hmm. Um, so having somebody as backup as well, especially. Um, somebody that uh, maybe younger that you, you can sort of help develop as well a little bit more um, I don't see anything wrong with that 
But yeah, it looks like we're starting to fill out the, the positions as I say. I still think we need a I'd still like to see us sign a goalkeeper. Uh, a couple of guys out on the left, a striker. I think we're all right in midfield. If we get this Starfield in, uh, like William says with Big Julian coming back as well with Welsh. Uh, sorry, I'd like to another maybe centre half and we'd be all right. But uh, we we knew coming into this it was going to be very thin and we needed to bring players in. But I'm glad that Celtic seem to be making moves and and there's a lot to talk about it. It's, it's quite definitely quite exciting. But uh, like William says, until it's out of the line in the at Celtic Park, then. No, that's that's fair. I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean. I, I, Three days is a long time in Celtics. Where we were moaning about the, the transfers on Tuesdays. One night we were kind of going along with it, saying they're filling the gaps in if they get these players in. But that's the way well, it goes, no, I think it? if you if you think back, Stephen, uh, uh, I was very positive. In right, the, all right. The, I mean, the I mean, signs uh, is coming uh, in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, myself and Ram McGinley, we were the ones being negative. Fair enough. <laughs> right. But moving on, we're going to step on to the outgoing train from Celtic Park and... The guys that are mentioned is Ayer, Rosic and Christie. They were pictured together, weren't part of the squad. And I mean, today it's came to light again that Brentford's come back with a revised offer. I think it's only 500,000 more than we're going to give us in terms of 13.5 million up front plus add-ons, John. Are you comfortably accepting that bid now? Or are you still of the belief that you were on Monday in terms of holding out, or Tuesday in terms of holding out for more? I, I, I mean, we need to remember that it, it, A, he wants to leave, B, um, he has in the last year's contract and see that's still quite a bit of money um, I was happy that Celtic were kind of standing firm um, but again we didn't know the, the reasons behind it and I, I also suggested maybe Ayers being like, I'm not interested in the move to Brentford but what came to light in the days following that is that he wasn't happy about it um, maybe Brentford's picked up in the fact that he's it's obviously there's a bit of unrest there and that, we reject, that bid was rejected so they came in slightly improved offer and is what I'm led to believe now is that it has been accepted. So it looks like Ayer's probably on his way out. What's your opinion then on the Rogers and Christie? Do you think they're going to stay? Don't about Rogic. Um, he's got a relationship with Angie. He's one of the only guys yeah. in the club that actually knows him. Um, I think that uh, the fact that he's no featured, uh, again, I wouldn't look too much into that. There could, he could be injured. Uh, Christie, apparently some team fake, was it Abu Dhabi or something? Al- yeah, Al- Saudi Al- Arabia. Arabia. I think it's Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia. Are willing to pay in excess of ten million for him, so he can go to. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Is there going to pay ten million for him? I think so. It's <laughs> in excess of ten million, actually. Wow. Um, oh. I would need to. I would need to go back and check it, but ah. it, it wasn't. A, it wasn't. A, it was double figures anyway. Yeah, that's mental. Do you know what someone's done there? They sent them the YouTube clips of three years ago. Oh, no. <laughs> like, this is the pay I you're told, going to get. I told them we've still got a three-year contract, I think. <laughs> what about yourself, Francis, in terms of Ayer, 13.5 million? That seems to be agreed. He seems to be heading to Brentford by all accounts. Rodgers, as, as uh, John Rentley said, he could be injured, but he hasn't featured in pre-season. And Ryan Christie is linked with a move to the Far East for an excess of £10 million, which is baffling to us all. But would you be happy if all three left? Uh, I well, I not like Ayer. It's it's inevitable. He's going. He's he's been so public about about leaving. So it's one of the ones he's gave us good years, and he was obviously made a promise last season that he could leave. So it's one of the ones that just it happens in football. You've just got to thank him for what for what he's done. And thirty and a half million, I think, is like I said in a Tuesday. I thought it was a great deal at the time that we'd rejected. I also commended Celtic for standing firm and saying no we want this but clearly it was 
They're just trying to eke a wee bit more. We don't know that add-ons could be significant more. There'll be a, I imagine there'll be a selling. So the potential of the deal is probably more favoured to Celtic now achieving the number what they wanted to maybe Brentford's previous offer. Um, the Ryan Christie one, it's if Ryan Christie could turn up the guy we had three years ago uh, to two years ago, it was how I, I would happily have that guy around. But if we get the Ryan Christie last season, then I'd take 10 quid, never mind 10 million for the guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, Rogic, I would be surprised if they've won simply, I, I'm not hearing any rumours of teams in for him. And two, like John touched on, it's it's a guy that Postacolo can maybe trust in the dressing room. It can be like a wee, his right-hand man, if you like. like I know William picks on it. Like Moy, I, I think Moy was brought, got to be getting brought in as simply as just, it, it was got to be Postacolo's guy in the dressing room. has his guy, he can then pass over everything on to the, the sort of playing staff. So Rogic could actually be a kind of captain that's not a captain, I feel like, with, with that kind of thing, because he's got that working relationship already with, with Postcoglu. So I would be surprised if Rogic left, but the other two, I'd be more surprised if they stayed. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, the, the 13.5, William, as Francis said, is a great bit of business, plus the add-ons and maybe a sell-on clause free in there. And the, the ten million pound one for Christy John said that I mean that's cloud cuckoo. Well, yeah, I, say, I mean I wouldn't take I would take that with a pinch of salt anyway. But well, that's fair. I get that. But I mean, uh, if that's the if that's the fee, that's crazy. I mean, that's, that's a that's great mad. deal. What What about yourself? William? where do you stand on the whole Ayer Christy and Rodgers? Yeah, Ayers. Um, bye bye. You're getting that sort of money. See you later. You don't want to be here. Um, I I've spoke about it before, and I, if you're announcing you don't want to be at the club then you, you, you can go. Yeah, I would have accepted five million if that was the case. If you're not wanting to be here, then you, there's no point in you being around. And it's like, I mean, I know there was rumours touted about AC Milan's and stuff like that that were wanting them. So if it was like that, if that was the case, then you know what? You could go with your best wishes. And, but you're going to go to Brentford, really, when you can stay at Celtic and win trophies and be an icon. And exactly. Keep, keep going. Go to Brentford and do a Gary Hooper and get relegated and end up falling down the leagues you know what fair play to you see you later it's, he talks about wanting to play in the best leagues in the world and stuff like that but uh, I'm not so sure um, Rogic I, I, I love big time Rogic, Rogic I think he's a fantastically gifted footballer Tommy. but um, if, again if you're getting decent money for him then I'm like I mean he's not played a massive part in their squad over the last few seasons even when we had Rogers and stuff like that. He's never he's never been one to last a full ninety minutes or, or get a massive amount of running running games. But I, I, if we could keep hold of him, I would. But I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be mega disappointed if we got decent money and he left. Um, Christie, I think I really like Ryan Christie. Uh, I I think I'm one of the only ones in the podcast that that uh, that defends him. Uh, I know he's had a bit of a tough time the end of last year, but I think especially with Postecoglou's um, vision and, and, and the way he wants to play, I think Christy fits that. He's he's got See, a good I engine. I, I agree with that, like William. I agree with that. But... High press engine, um, interchanging playing movement and stuff like that. I think I think he could flourish and uh, if he gets to to play in the team. Uh, but if he's only got what I, I'm pretty sure his contract isn't even a year, is it? Is it no yeah, January or something? So if that's the case and you're getting stupid money for him, then I, I suppose it's a no-brainer. But I would, I would like to see Christie stay. I think he could flourish in, in a side playing that sort of football. 
so yeah, I have buy the other two. I'm quite happy to see you stay. But if you don't, I'm not. I'm not going to be broken hearted. No, I think we're all in agreement there. I mean, it, 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 I mean, Ayr has publicly come out and said he wants to leave. So sadly, you're kind of them in a hard place about that. They promised him he can leave, and you rightly say there, William, it's Brantford. Do you know what I mean? You're not leaving somebody to go to a European heavyweight or a top eight or top six club in the English Premiership as probably he thought he would. You're going to have Brantford who can be relegated and, as you say, do a Gary Hooper. But look, if that's what players want to do, go down and make a bit of money for themselves and retire happily, that, that's fair enough with, with no impetus behind their name. What can, what can we do to stop that? But, I mean, again, the counter, he could end up playing for a top club if he does well. Brantford, who knows? We'll never know about that. And could, we'll but... move on. It could, but there's, if you look at all these players, there's only really one that I can think of that's went on to proper proper big elite club, which is Virgil van Dijk. I, I mean, I know he went to Southampton and, and then went on, but I can't think of anybody else. I mean, yeah, yeah, went, I, Wanyama went to Spurs, but I mean, that's not... Ayers no doing what van Dijk done. No, I don't believe you. No, no, no chance. That's what I mean. So Unless um, he thinks maybe he can, in which case that's why he's happy to do it. He's like, oh, I've got one season in the EPL, that'll be enough for me to win a £70 million move to... I mean, it could yeah, kind of do like a, a Vinyam or something, or like go to a bigger club than Brentford. I don't, like I said, I don't think he'll end it's up... It's a risk though, that. do you know what I mean? Like, what he's giving but, up, and what he's he's going to do to risk it for is... But he maybe believes in his sale. There's no, there's no harm in that. I wouldn't, exactly. I wouldn't argue that, but... I mean, I certainly wouldn't be giving up a Champions League football... European football in any way, shape or form, winning medals, trophies, to go and fight a relegation battle, regardless of what league it was in. I think, I, think, I think it's all fair in terms of what we're saying. It's all, I mean, we all can't agree on it. I think John's right what he says. Like You wouldn't want to leave Celtic go down to Bramford. I certainly wouldn't. And the vast majority of Celtic I mean, fans... We're Celtic, like, fa- we Celtic fans. Yeah, no. no, no, Celtic no. Fan. no but even no, if I, I was there, Celtic fan, if, if, I was, if you were at a club and you're playing... Regular European football, you're regularly winning trophies, medals, and you've got a chance to go and play in the EPL with a team that's going to be fighting relegation and getting winning hee haw. You wouldn't, I, I, I can't imagine, like, no Celtic, just think of another club, I wouldn't do that. But no chance. Money, money talks is that football's different than money talks. I know, it's always been the case. It's exactly why we lost Tupper. Right, we will let that go, let that slide, and we'll move on to the last <laughs> segment of, this, of the show. And we'll snip it in here. It can be as brief as you want, guys. But we've seen this week that Peter Lall has been confirmed that he's set on as a director of Celtic Football Club. And I, I think it's to do with his role on the European board. I think he has to have some sort of official role at a club, which is Celtic. And come to yourself, John. Is it a concern with you that Peter Lall is still staying, staying on as a director? No, fully expected that he's got shares in the club. And I thought that that was going to be the case anyway. Yeah. What about yourself, Franny? Same as John. I, don't, I really don't think he'll have... He'll not even be picking the soap that's in the toilet. So, nah, I'm, not, I'm, honestly, <laughs> not, I'm honestly not fussed about the guy. It's, it was, it's not news, Stephen. We knew he was going to be there because he's his shares and stuff and his role it within not, ECA. It might not be new, but I'm saying it on the podcast, <laughs> right? What about yourself? <laughs> yeah, times three. Just shocked you for me. Exactly the boys say. Well, look, that brings us to the end of the show. That was quick for another. And we'll move on. <laughs> to the quiz and you'll be happy to hear the Celtic quiz is back and I don't between... know because while they beat me in the last Celtic quiz <laughs> I was hoping for one of the random ones <laughs> and it's between Francis and William you know the rules if he's already we'll crack on yeah. what I will say though as a third party I'm going to start doing this uh, if I'm on and we're doing All the right. quiz 
if Stephen, if you gee, if you say somebody says something different from what I hear, I'm calling it. All right, I thought go you meant you were going to do the quiz again. I thought he was going to go yeah. from Peter Loyal. John, this isn't some sort of VAR decision. I make the call. <laughs> all right, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're biased John, that's why John, you, do what you, want, <laughs> John, you, be you, you be you John right we're going to crack on right so first Thank question Celtic bought a, a player for £6 million in the summer of 2000 and then another player again for the same sum of money in the summer of 2001 can you name them both Chris Sutton and Lee, Neil Lennon no no they were saying the same season it was oh, Neil Lennon and then John Hapson John Hapson yeah uh, Franny what's your final answer just to make sure Neil Lennon and John Hartson. He got his goal. Both wrong. Oh, my Jesus. I'll give you one more shot. Go, Franny. I'll let you go first. Chris Sutton and John Hartson. Perfect. Franny got it. That's one to Franny. I'm taking it, Wally. Fair play. <laughs> John, step in here anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you told me that. I'm, I'm, I'm told that my, my, my opinion is overruled by the rules. <laughs> Question. Number two, can you name the first Celtic player to score for Scotland at a European Championship? Hint, it was Callum McGregor. Callum McGregor. No, no, it was in June 1992. Oh, Craig Bolt, no. Uh, Day. Yeah, uh, well, like, that's one each. Fucking uh, yes. Question, uh, question number three, name the first World Cup winner to play for Celtic. Janino. That's 2-1. Is that 2-1 two or 2-8? 2-1. 2-1. Right. Question number four. Celtic's biggest margin of victory in the Scottish Premiership came against which team in 2010? Aberdeen. 9-1. Yep, you got, you got it, so that's 2-8. Jesus. Question oh, no. Five. Question five. Is anyone crapping themselves yet? Yes. <laughs> Question five. Who became captain of Celtic in the wake of Kenny Douglas's departure to Liverpool? Oh. Oh, my Jesus. No way. I know. Too young for that. Aye, uh, same. Well, move on, move on. Uh, I'm uh, happy to move on. I know. Uh, Danny McGrain. Oh. Uh, I, I never got there, man. I never came to that. Which former footballer has played two spells with St Mirren, West Ham United and Celtic? Two spells? With St Mirren, West Ham United and Celtic. Now, this is a famous footballer. You should Matt get this. Oh, yep. done, Wally. Really, really, really brings what in home. An absolute shout, by the way. <laughs> well done, Wally. I've never injured St. Mun like with the West Ham Celtic. Mate, I've actually yeah. got a signed autograph because I was in McAvenny's bar with my dad many moons ago, and it's actually a West Ham strip one. I was like, you need to so, one, mate. <laughs> so the first Celtic quiz back, William wins it. John, anything to yes, add? Do you think it's a fair call? It was, uh, relatively fair. I think you <laughs> ah, gained some, I think you gained the first. Question again. Right, John. Taking Tony's was a bit unfair, but there we go. Right. When, when am I next on with Tony? I'm at Tony. This underpinning. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm the next one to try it because I'm on my own next week, mate. So I've, I've got the next. Ah, no chance. Right, look, no, guys, that brings, brings us to the end of the show. I want to thank my co host, John, two show regulars, Francis, and William. How's you enjoyed it? Ah, no, it's good. Aye, it's good fun. Always. I prefer it when we disagree. Oh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> and to the listeners at home. Wait, no, before go you ahead, go forward, forward. Stephen, uh, just want to let everybody, just let everybody know that we will be moving to video very soon, <laughs> so you'll be able to see <laughs> our lovely faces, <laughs> which is a long time coming. But we're we're getting there slowly but surely. Yes, we're getting there, and we'll hopefully be there in the next few weeks. And that's all thanks to John 
and his hard work behind the scenes. And again, have you enjoyed it again, guys? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Until the listeners at home, until we speak again, stay well and keep safe. Heel, heel.